Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. We're fortunate enough to have Matt Sells from Fantasy Alarm and FantasyAlarm.com. And we're going to talk some NASCAR, of course, another big race coming up this weekend. And we'll talk about uh, basically everything on the NASCAR circuit here as we head toward the Cup. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. What's going on? Oh, just, you know, preparing for another fun race weekend. It's actually an interesting race weekend because while Xfinity and the Cup Series are both at Indianapolis, they're actually racing two separate courses. Uh, Xfinity is racing the road course at Indianapolis, and then the Cup guys are on the typical rectangular oval that you see the Brickyard 400 and the Indy 500 run on. All right, so before we get into the players and you know, the possibilities from a betting perspective and from DSS perspective, let's let's hear a little bit about the course for people who are unfamiliar. So Indianapolis is a two-and-a-half mile. This is the one that the Cup guys are going to race on. It's a two-and-a-half mile. Uh, they call it a rectangular oval because if you look at the track, it actually makes a rectangle. It's got four distinct corners. Typically, when you see a NASCAR oval, you have – they call it four corners, but they – you know, there's basically two ends that are round. This one, they have four distinct corners. Uh, they're banked at about eight to nine degrees, and it's a relatively flat track. Uh, it's obviously the same one the Indianapolis 500 is run on. Uh, speeds will not be nearly as high as they are in the Indianapolis 500. They'll go about 180 miles an hour this weekend. And it's typically a track where passing can be fairly hard to do. Um, at least we've seen that in the past. If they've made some adjustments to the aero package, that might uh, help it. But typically, this is a racetrack that favors the guys that are up front uh, from start to finish. All right, so we'll uh, obviously dive into some of the odds here, Matt. So let's uh, let's take a look here, and these are courtesy of the FanDuel Sportsbook. And um, this is 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 this called the Big Machine Hand uh, Hand Sanitizer 400? Is that I mean what a, what a yes. good name for this weekend, right? So yeah, Big Machine is Big Machine Records. It's a major country music label. Um, you might know some of the famous groups that are on it. Taylor Swift was originally on it. Sure. I think Little Big Town is on that one. There's a lot of famous groups. Uh, Florida Georgia Line. Yep, is also on there. Brantley Gilbert. Uh, so they've been sponsoring this race for a couple of years now, and typically they change the name up a little bit. And I guess this year they figured that hand sanitizer was the best thing to I would advertise. <laughs> Even though there's no actual fans in the stands, it's still important to use the hand sanitizer. It helps, you know, quell the spread of uh, of coronavirus here. So, yeah, it's it's an apropos title this weekend. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's uh, let's dive in here. Denny Hamlin is plus four fifty to win the race. Kevin Harvick is plus four fifty as well. Kyle Busch is six to one. Brad Keselowski is seven and a half to one. Joey Logano seven and a half to one. And then we have Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney at eleven to one. Matt, is it as simple as going chalk here in this race, or do you have any long shots potentially? Uh, there tends to be uh, a better, excuse the pun, but a better bet to go with the chalk here. Um, like we said, typically the guys that are starting up front usually do pretty well here, although that hasn't always been the case for a guy like Kyle Busch recently. Um, you know, typically they've qualified this weekend. They won't have to. They'll do the same random draw they've been doing. But Kyle Busch has only one win in the last four runnings at the Brickyard 400. Uh, it's typically a track he's done well at, but he's losing a bit of his mojo here, and he hasn't looked all that convincing yet this mm. year. So... Um, him aside, I might not bet on him quite yet. He's probably going to have to show me a little something. Um, so it's hard not to go with, with Denny Hamlin or Kevin Harvick. They seem to be the two fastest guys every single weekend. They split the doubleheader at Pocono last weekend. Um, Ryan Blaney has really turned it on. He's had a very fast car, uh, the last several weeks. So those would be my favorites. If we're looking for a more mid-tier type guy, I might go with a guy like Eric Almarola, who I think last time I checked was going off at uh, 
26 to 1, I believe, uh, on the FanDuel Sportsbook. He's been he's been pretty strong here. Uh, they just came from Pocono, which is a two and a half mile. Yes, it's a triangle, but it's a two and a half mile flat track with one of the corners is based on Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So they're reasonably comparable. And uh, Almarola looked pretty quick. So he would be a slightly longer shot guy for me to bet on this week. Now, uh, you know, politics aside, Matt, because that's not what we do here uh, on this show. And obviously everybody has, is entitled to their own opinion. We don't do it. But I would think that at this point, the biggest story from the races coming up this weekend is the fact that is it Corey LaJoy is going to have yes. uh, the Trump 2020 uh, all over his car. Yeah, for nine uh, for races. Okay, so for all of these races. So uh, let's just get conceptually how that came about and why that's gotten so much attention. So he actually had a Trump 2020 sticker on his car on the quarter panel for the races at Pocono. Uh, He did not decide to do it. Let me make this very clear. It was not Corey LaJoy's idea. I don't know if he had control over the sponsors. Usually the drivers at his level don't have control over the sponsors that are going on the car. Okay. So a pack called i think the something with patriot in the name i don't remember the exact name of the pack so i don't want to say the incorrect name here but it's a pack that supports trump so it's a political action committee they paid go fast racing which is the team that Corey lajoy drives for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the sponsorship deal uh for nine races which if it sounds like a lot of money that's usually on the very low scale for a nine race sponsorship deal guys like jimmy johnson are commanding more than a million dollars a race typically although the numbers are a little fuzzy mm-hmm. um three hundred and fifty thousand dollars is basically enough to pay for one race car that's about how much a normal cup car costs to build and make and manufacture so uh they struck a deal with go fast racing to put trump 2020 on as the main sponsor so that'll be all over the hood of his car um and typically speaking nascar doesn't really Say no to sponsors. Sure, they as they will, should. <laughs> they will if it's uh, highly um, controversial. Right. Like they have now said no to multiple gun company sponsors. Um, they've also said mm-hmm. no previously to um, a little bit more dicey product being uh, <laughs> trying to be advertised. And so yeah, NASCAR I mean, is in this day and age. It's really hard to turn down advertising. I mean, obviously right. you have to make sure um, that you're politically correct in some way. Uh, and but... their argument really is that Bubba Wallace had a Black Lives Matter car at Martinsville a few weeks ago. So from the conservative perspective, you can't say no to this. And from you know NASCAR's perspective, if they're trying to show unity, you've got to bring everybody together. So you can't say. Well, we said yes to one, but not to the other. Yeah, so, I guess so. I guess. So. Um, but in it's, my it's opinion, just wild it's, that we've we've had so yeah. much great racing that that this is going to you know right exactly shadow it for a day. I mean, by the time the weekend comes around, hopefully not. But yeah, we'll see. And it it you know it puts the broadcast networks in a weird spot too because <laughs> the reason why you get sponsors on the car is because the car gets shown on television and then therefore yeah. you advertise your product on a car that's theoretically doing well. So it puts the TV networks, both Fox. Now this week's race will actually be on NBC. It switches. Okay. Uh, and then next week will be on FS1 and that'll be the last Fox broadcast. And then it goes to NBC full time at that point. So it puts these guys in a weird spot because you got to give, you know, equal time of course. i guess or you'll get called yeah. out or you know it's just kind of a weird time to do it after the progress that's been made on several uh big topic things in nascar the last few weeks with the racism and the confederate flag and whatnot it's just yeah. an odd time I, and, and look i understand it from an advertising standpoint i mean nascar makes money this is the primary way they do it they just smash all kinds of advertisers all over everywhere. And and look, they they have to be careful with who they take, but this is the president of the United States. I mean, what are they supposed to say? No. Anyway, um, DFS pricing, and let's stick with FanDuel here specifically, if you don't mind, Matt, uh, before we let you go. Kevin Harvick is priced at 14200 Denny Hamlin, uh, 13700 Kyle Busch, 13000 Joey Logano, 
is 12,500. Uh, Ryan Blaney is 12,000. And even though Chase Elliott is 11 and one to win the race, Martin Truex Jr. has a higher price tag this weekend on DFS. Uh, he's at 11,800. Matt, before we let you go, let's uh, let's review here uh, in terms of the pricing. Is there anything that strikes you as interesting? Um, not really. I mean, I expected Kevin Harvick to be the most expensive guy this week. He's been one of the most expensive guys, uh, you know, the past several weeks. He's been the fastest guy on the track since they restarted. All three of his wins this year have come since they've restarted the season. Uh, but one thing to keep in mind here for a DFS or perhaps even a betting narrative is that there's a new owner of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It was bought uh, earlier this year by a guy named Roger Penske, who happens to own Team oh, Penske. Wow. Right. Yeah. And if you've ever rented a Penske moving truck, that's one in the same. So right. Roger Penske has a lot of success at the Indianapolis 500. Uh, he's had a lot of success uh in the NASCAR world, not really a whole lot of success in the Cup Series at Indianapolis. So there might be some added motivation to show off for not only their boss man, but the guy that now owns the track. And so we might want to focus a little bit more attention to Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and Ryan Blaney this week uh, for a little bit of a narrative Careful. there. Okay. Um, so... You know, as far as cheap guys go in DFS, we're always looking for the place differential guys. Sure. So guys that are starting in the back who can move up some. Matt Kenseth is one of those guys. Usually does pretty well here uh, in the past. So I, I might focus on Team Penske a little bit more this week than I ordinarily would. All right. Well, we will certainly do that. Matt Sells joining us from Fantasy Alarm at FantasyAlarm.com. He was the writer of the year last year. You can follow him for all of his tips in DFS over on his Twitter handle, at The Salesman, and also on uh, FantasyAlarm.com. Of course, you can follow Fantasy Alarm just by hitting him up at Fantasy Alarm as well. All right, we got plenty more to get to here on the show today, so make sure you stay tuned. Uh, Joe and I will be back talking about five young hitters in Major League Baseball to watch in 2020. We also have the Comeback Player of the Year Award in the NFL as well. The odds have been updated, so we will discuss that as well. Hey, folks, uh, while you are watching this show, make sure you head on over to sportsgrid.com if you're watching us somewhere else and learn about all of our programming and everything that we're doing here on this show and also at Sports Grid Radio. Uh, brand new shows coming your way very soon uh, over on the West Coast for our San Diego uh, watchers and listeners and our California watchers and listeners. You can read all about our new press release over at sportsgrid.com. And, uh, and also catch our show, Scott Farrell, coast to coast, uh, every single day right here on Sports Grid TV, but also on Sports Grid Radio, as well as Scott Wetzel's uh, Bagels and Bad Beats, like the name of that show. Make sure you catch him as well. All right, so we'll be back with more. Joe Pizapia joins me back. Thanks again to our good friend Matt Sells for coming on the program. And don't go away because we got more Sports Grid here on this Friday, on this July 4th weekend, coming up in just two minutes. Please stay tuned and don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As the 2020 baseball season approaches, Joe and I will be covering it from both a fantasy and reality point of view and even a DFS point of view and wagering as well. And one of the interesting things to look at uh, for the 2020 season is just kind of wondering whether or not we will see the production that we saw from the young players in baseball last year. And man, they are coming and coming fast. Uh, Alvarez and Alonzo, obviously, in the AL and the NL had fantastic seasons last year. The Blue Jays have a few prospects and players that are coming up. We've seen the three offensive players. Pearson is another pitcher of theirs. The Braves have run through now Albies and Acuna. Uh, the Padres with Tatis. It's, it's you know, I mean, a young man's game at this point, Joe. And so you're always trying to look at the next great star. This is just not a league where the rookie of the year, Joe, comes up in 1992 and hits 14 home runs. Like, the guys are coming up and they're hitting 40 right, right. out of the gate. So <clears throat> yeah. Got to find those. Yeah, it's a, it's a different universe. And some of the names that I think that are on this next list here, I need more information on. Like, they're guys that have a lot of talent, 
There's guys that we've had some moments where you go, oh, wow, this is this is a guy that could really be an impact player. But I want to say at a certain point right now, their their profile is incomplete and it's not going to be completed this year in 2020. We're not going to have uh, a more full idea of who they were or a complete idea. But I'm hoping to have at least a better idea of some of these players. And and I think over the next 60 games, we're going to do our best to figure that out. And I think these guys are all players that should be on your fantasy radar. They should be on your long-term and short-term radars because they all have upside. But I think they'll have questions, too. And I think it's fun to kind of look at the projections of some of these players here and whether or not we think they can go over or under them. I think these are all pretty pretty good in terms of projectability over the 60 games. Fantasy Pros had these up here, and I thought that this was a good, you know, respectable place to do a lot of work with Fantasy Pros and, you know, trying to say, okay, well, this is reasonable. These all look like reasonable numbers, and I thought I'd bring them to you and see whether or not you think some of these guys can go over. And the first one is Luis Robert who obviously going into this season had a ton of helium because you see the power, you see the stolen base potential, everybody starts freaking out. People also see the strikeout rate, and some other people freak out for a different reason. They're a little worried about this. Now, you plop them into this lineup that is absolutely stacked, right? So there's zero pressure on the guy, but at the same time, you know, the, the White Sox are in a spot here where they expect to contend this year. So when you're looking at Robert, this is the projection they're giving you on Fantasy Pros. 26 runs scored, 26 RBI, nine home runs, eight stolen bases, and a 273 batting average. Now, that sounds pretty reasonable to me. I think if I got those numbers out of him, I would feel very good about them. And if I got anything over that, it would just be glorious. But do you think there's any downside in some of these numbers? Or do you think this is kind of a good place to start your bidding on him when you're looking at him for 60 games? I think all of it is accurate except for steals. That That's one number this year that I think is going to be severely down even more than mm. in the past. Just not sure that guys are going to be ready to steal bases out of the gate. And look, there will be for Mondesi and there will be for Merrifield. And I'm sure that some other players too. But it's well, it something- is not that high. I, mean, that's only I, I don't I, I think month. 15 may lead the league. I don't know. Wow. But I mean, four a month, like he can't get one a stolen base a week. I'm, you think? I'm just not sure. I'm, I'm not sure that anyone will be stealing. Break my heart. One a week is all I'm asking here. Boy, I thought this was good. You, you're, you're, you're crushing my hopes of Robert well, stolen base. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, he's never stolen a base in the big leagues. It's hard to say that uh, it's fair. It's fair. No, you, you look without a doubt. Look, we, we look I mean, at the if talent. I, if I said the total, I would have set it at five. It's not that far off. Okay. All right. Fair enough. There. The I think eventually batting. he gets there. And I think with a full spring training and everything back again, it's possible, but are guys going to really be given the green light that much with not having their legs under them and only being back for two weeks? I'm, I'm just not sure. Well, they're in a very interesting situation to White Sox because they've already done this same thing. Uh, like now looking back on it, I don't know if they would have done this again, started this clock over 60 games. Eh, maybe, maybe now you kind of look back on it and go, maybe that wasn't the best move, but I give them credit for being aggressive because they did this last year with Aloya Menez and sure. I think it worked out. It was great. They did this again with Robert. There's a lot of people thinking that Andrew Vaughn is next and he's going to be up there too. So these guys just keep on coming and keep on coming. Like it is staggering to think like the White Sox are really building something for a team that you pointed out just on yesterday's show a team that probably in the last 20 years, you probably talked the least amount that you can imagine. So. It seems like we might be talking a lot about the White Sox in the next five years because they have sure. got some extraordinary talent here. They they do need to go out there and get, I think, a little bit more pitching or a Kopech or, or a Dylan Cease has to really step forward and join Giolito at the top there. But there's a lot going on. Kevin Biggio, what was your thoughts last year on Kevin Biggio when you saw him play? Did you think superstar? Or did you think a player that he played better know, than I thought he would? OK. Because yeah, I, I, was I, I, wasn't, I wasn't really sure what he was going to be, but he could he could end up being pretty good. Yeah, I was a little worried about the contact rates. You know, I was one of these guys like whenever you see a guy who's really efficient but doesn't put the ball in play as much, like I, I think, you know, look at it, go, okay, well, there's a positive to take from that. Like when he makes contact, it's hard contact. But I'd like him to make a little bit more contact. Like I don't want a guy hitting 230 on my team. Like that's that's not going to get it done. Here's what they have for him projection-wise. Again, the runs and RBIs, everyone's kind of, you know, settling into this similar range is kind of like when FanDuel sets the over-under <laughs> for the win totals this year. Right. So 27 runs, 24 RBI, five stolen bases, eight home runs, and a 245 batting average. So that's about a 15-point-plus batting average spin for you. Do you think that Biggio is capable of making that, or do you think Biggio is one of these guys, too, that maybe towards the end of last year, the league got out on him a little bit and started to make adjustments, and he didn't make adjustments back? 
Yeah, I, I think that that's part of it, some of it. Uh, but I do think that there is a uh, pretty high skill set there. Okay. I think his batting average will always be 250, 260. But if he could get on base a little bit more, I think that there could be a little bit more even there. I, I was impressed. I, I really, uh, you know, among the three guys that they had between uh, Guerrero and Bichette and Biggio, I kind of felt like Guerrero and Bichette were in a different tier. And Biggio was just sort of the son of Craig Biggio. But he's been more than that. I've been impressed. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, I, I kind of have the same, you know, idea that you had, that Biggio was kind of the third behind them, and I, I still kind of think that. I think it Vlad probably, is doing, It probably is, but maybe a better three. Do you think this is a team that could really benefit from dropping a veteran guy into the order there to protect these guys a little bit, or you think these kids are just like, going to figure it out on their own? Like a trade, you mean? I, I don't know. Like, it doesn't—I mean, here's the thing. Like, it doesn't even I have to be I don't know what their year. plan is for this year. I, I, I mean, they— well, it doesn't have to be this year. I mean, even going into oh, for the future, yeah. I mean, look, they gave Ryu like a billion dollars, so I'm guessing that their plan is to win soon. But was that the guy that that you pay to win? I'm not. I'm not sure that that was the right choice there. No, I, I think that's. I think sometimes you just got to pay to get somebody up there. Yeah, you do. Start you changing the culture. Do. You know, yeah. unfortunately, that's the way it goes. Let's go to another guy. Now, this dude is one of my favorite players. I'm a big fan of Willie Calhoun, and I was so sad, not just for him as a as a person. But for all of the fantasy stocks that I had already purchased Willie Calhoun when the poor guy got hit in the face in spring training. Not good. Not what I wanted to see. Luckily, he says he's good. Everything's fine. Oh, yeah. He's, he's good. back on the field working out. You always wonder about the mental aspect of it. But he keeps saying, hey, everything's fine. We're all good here. Uh, Willie Calhoun is one of these guys, I think, that has 40 home run potential at some point in his career. Uh, but if you're going to look at <clears throat> 60 games here, we're looking at Willie Calhoun, 25 runs. 26 RBI, again, just kind of the normal numbers, 273 batting average, and 10 home runs. Now, I think this is the kind of guy who can go on a tear and go well above 10 home runs. Do you think he can? I think it's up to him. He's one of those guys that, uh, you know, carried around a little bit of a reputation of, of you know, being a little bit of a sour guy, not the most uh, favorite guy in a clubhouse. Um, at least that's what mm -hmm. I had heard. Now, I don't really? cover the Rangers, so... It's hard for me to throw that on a kid that I've never dealt with personally, but it's just some of the things that I heard in the minor league system with them. Um, the effort level was questioned a little bit, I think, at times, but he has the talent. There's no doubt. So that would, Joe, that'd be the only thing that's sort of holding him back is is something that would be off the field because for me, I, I think on the <laughs> field he's gonna, as you said, maybe hit 30 home runs or 40 home runs in a season. So, uh, you know, hopefully that other stuff is just not true, but, you know, it's just something that I had heard from the past. Well, it's funny because the last time you told me about a guy like that, uh, it was true, and then eventually he did figure it out last year. It was Yoan Moncada. I remember specifically you telling me, like, I don't know about this guy. Heard a lot of rumblings. He's not really focused. He's an incredible talent. Some issues there. And I remember having this conversation. I don't remember that, but I'll, you know, I'll you you are a. I remember when Craig Mish talks to me. Yeah, and gives I don't. Me these I don't remember Mankata on that list, but if but no, if he gave I me a little. Yeah, no. standing right outside of the former FNTSY studio. I remember you I telling me Mankata, this. Really? You do? Yeah, you did. And and maybe you're making it up. I don't know. Who knows? I was but probably making. I really don't remember that, but I'll take your word for it. That it was true. But save this one on Willie Calhoun. Save this. Well, this one. We and got and on by team. the way, Willie Calhoun's issues were more defensively than offensively with anything. Just the effort level on defense. Well, look. I mean, you know, that, this is a, a fascinating thing because the Rangers are one of these teams that, you know, if Gallo and Calhoun are both red hot, and we know that these guys can get hot for a month at a clip potentially. The Rangers could really make some noise because when you got Kluber and Lance Lynn at the top of the rotation, this could be one of those weird teams that comes out of nowhere. Unfortunately, you know, they got the new ballpark, but no excitement because nobody's going to be in it. But th there is that weird thing with the Rangers where I don't think they're going to make a run, but I can't rule it out because they have two guys that can get so hot and so dominant and just incredible power in the middle of the lineup that – all of a sudden, I mean, you know Joey Gallo can hit 15 home runs in a month. We, we've oh, seen it. Sure. <laughs> you know, like, can too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing, too. It's like, what else is left in the Chew tank or or the Frazier tank or some of these older players that they have on this team? I, I don't think any of us know the answer to that question, unfortunately. But I would keep an eye on the Texas Rangers. At least they're going to be fun. And this last guy here on the list is Austin Riley, who came up, was absolutely brilliant when he started for the Braves last year. We know that. He was really good at AAA as well. This was a high-end prospect. This was a guy who was supposed to be the guy. Then two years ago, he kind of stumbled a little bit in the minor leagues. Righted the ship, got the call, was incredible. Then, uh, of course, the slump came and then the questions came. Yeah. So this is another player that I'm I am not ready to give up. Well, that's a, I'm, I'm not ready to give up on the talent, 
But I think this is another guy that we have to really focus on and say, okay, even though it's only 60 games, I want to see a really good 60 games out of this player because if I don't, it's going to you know, give me a little bit of pause going into 2021 value. Do you feel the same about Riley or are you more confident or less? Man, I think he's got to make some adjustments for sure, and he's the kind of player I think we'll know right away. I mean, I think you'll know in the first couple of weeks of the season because he had two different seasons in one, one where he was the hottest hitter in baseball and another where he couldn't uh, see the ball. Right. Uh, so he lucked out. A couple of injury situations kept him in the big leagues. I know they had worked him out in different positions, but uh, he could be a DH. Who knows? He benefits from that as well. Um, you know, that's he- a guy we haven't talked about. It's a benefit of DH. And I was wondering if you're going to mention it because, you know, there was some talk about Camargo starting as the third baseman and defensively, I guess you can make that argument, but I could you, see need, that. you need Riley's bat this lineup, don't you? <laughs> to play DH, but I, I, yeah. I think that I think he'll make the adjustments would be my prediction. I, I, I don't I mean, he has he's he has too strong uh, a minor league background and was such a high draft pick. I, I, I can't see him being a bust. So I, I, I hope would, not. I'll say he turns it a you know, around from where he was. But this is an important 60-game stretch for him. No doubt about that. That's fair. Yeah. All right, so that's a look at some a handful of players that are young and have possibilities to help you both in fantasy and certainly maybe in DFS, for those of you who are going to play this year. Coming up next, it's time for us to take a look at the Comeback Player of the Year Award on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL has now re-released their odds, and so it gives us an opportunity to dive back in and take a look at who could possibly win that award. And guess what? There are some pretty good betting opportunities there. You can at least double your money on anybody that you pick as long as you win. And we'll give you some advice on that when we come back next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. And welcome back. The FanDuel Sportsbook is open for business on this July 4th weekend. A lot of futures available in the NFL. Joe and I have discussed this throughout the week. And Cam Newton earlier in the week signed with the New England Patriots. You can hear more about that on our weekend show, Fantasy Sports Today Weekend Edition. We'll discuss what that potentially could mean. And Good news for Cam Newton, already trying to work out with some uh, members of the New England Patriots. But most importantly, Joe, as it pertains to Cam Newton, one of the opportunities at the FanDuel Sportsbook is looking at the potential Comeback Player of the Year award. And and for me, this is an award, simply put, that has to be either somebody that missed the whole year or somebody who was awful the whole year the year before. Like, I'm not buying this. The guy played 9, 10 games Um you know, did well and and was out. And so when we look at these, just so, you know, from my point of view, if I'm not mistaken, J.J. Watt did play most of the year last year. Did he not? Didn't he He play a lot? He he played it. Well, J.J. Watt is off my list. I mean, I'm sorry, I love you, J.J. Watt. You're the most charitable guy I've ever seen maybe in the NFL. But, you, I mean, you cannot win comeback player of the year playing more than half the season. It's just Mm, ridiculous. It's fair. It's fair. It's fair. I mean, I I just don't think he's going to win. I, I I don't think you can give him that award. But, Beyond that, let's take a look at some of the top contenders for that award before we break it all down. The favorite is Ben Roethlisberger. He's at plus 260, so you bet 100 to win 260. That is a pretty solid return on the investment. Cam Newton is a little bit more than 3-1. to one. Cam would obviously have to start most of the games, have a really good year for this to happen. Rob Gronkowski, plus 420. I feel like this is FanDuel just stealing your money if you're betting this. <laughs> but go ahead and, and take your shot on Gronk. Gronk would... I mean, Gronk having a better year than a quarterback would would not seem to be realistic. J.J. Watt is seven to one. Some other names that you do not see here. Matthew Stafford is also seven to one. A.J. Green, who I like in the spot, nine to one. Uh, Alex Smith, what a great story that would be if he won. Is fourteen to one. Nick Foles, uh, fourteen to one. No shot there. And Andy Dalton's twenty to one. I don't know how he would win unless he got uh, some extra playing time. So uh, beyond A.J. Green. It's probably Roethlisberger's or Newton's to to lose. If if one of these two quarterbacks, Joe, takes their team to the playoffs and has a good year, it's probably an open and shut case. I think. It probably is. And I guess the question is, who's in a better position? And we were just talking about this the other day. 
about, you know what, we really, you know, they have to readjust these now because Cam Newton come back by the year. And wouldn't you know it, fans will always listen to us. That's why we love them here on the program. And they make uh, adjustments um, based on our recommendations. They do, and and as they should. Uh, but I, I would think that you have to take the Cam Newton one really seriously at plus 340. And I think you have to take it seriously because you look at the division, the Dolphins are still a work in progress. I think everybody realizes that. I think the Jets are in you know, disarray no matter what anybody else wants to tell me. I do not like that roster. I do not like it, Sam I am, Sam Darnold, or any other Sam for that matter. And uh, as good as the Bills' defense is, the Bills had a really good run last year, and you can beat the Bills. Like, I think the Bills are are not a lock to win now, and Cam Newton's there. The narrative is set up really well for Cam Newton here. Incentive-laden contract, going to New England— if he should win there, if they win 10 games and make the playoffs, even if Ben Roethlisberger won 10 games and made the playoffs, which I think both of those scenarios, I think you would say are logically possible, correct? Yes, absolutely. Both of those things being equal, I think the media narrative will go to Cam Newton. That's just my gut instinct. That's what I think. I think, you know, it looks at, oh my God, he's filling the shoes of Tom Brady and and look at them going through all this Sounds and all right. that stuff. It feels like right now I would take the Cam Newton, all things being equal, if they both had 10 wins, him and Roethlisberger, both were playoff teams, I'll take the odds that are a little bit more uh, on the higher scale there with Cam Newton because I really feel like that is almost more of a massive comeback to come back on a, hey, you know, nobody signed this guy. Roethlisberger's a Hall of Famer, locked in, all these things. Like, he got hurt, he came back. Normally that's all you need to do. This guy got cut. (laughs) <laughs> okay, he got released from True. his team. Yeah. He was a free agent, did not sign until July, practically. And here we are. And and to me, you know, we always talk about these awards, you know, like MVP and Cy Young and all these things. And in and, and the NFL, it's the same thing. There's a narrative that likes to get built. And I feel like that narrative is starting to build already. And if he should, uh, I guess, you know, fulfill the destiny of that, I think this is his award to lose right now. And I don't think that's a hot take. It's a little. It's a little much to say it's his award. It's a warm breeze. It's, it's, it's I don't a warm think it's breeze. his award to lose. I mean, I wouldn't. It's I mean, award to lose. Ben Roethlisberger could very easily win this. Um, so it's. I, I wouldn't. I mean, it, it's Roethlisberger's to lose if he's the favorite on Fanduel. I mean, that's that's essentially the deal there. Um, but I, I I think that there the the picture you painted is fair. I do think if it does come down to it being close, I think that Cam Newton would win which would lead you to think that, wow, well, there's pretty much a little bit more value there than taking Cam Newton at plus 340 than taking Ben at plus 260. There's there's more there. But, you know, Cam Newton's going to have to play very well. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. he, I don't I don't think that if they go 9-7 and seven and he throws 20 touchdowns and 14 picks and Roethlisberger goes 9-7 and seven and Roethlisberger throws 30 touchdowns and 8 picks, I mean, I, I think Roethlisberger's going to win. If it's close, then I agree. I do think that it would be a possibility there. And I really don't love any of the other options. I, I don't think Foles has a shot. I know that no. he's not on the board that we're looking at, but I don't think he has a shot. I think A.J. Green would have a fantastic shot, especially if he got out of there and went to another team and ended up having 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. It's not a bad – plus 900, that's not a bad dart throw. I don't think that's a bad dart throw at all. Yeah, I, I would take a shot there. Uh, Watt, to me, should not be eligible for this. Stafford played too much for me to be uh, eligible. Dalton has no chance. Well, oh, the only chance he has is, is you know, it's a holdout. Is a holdout by Dak yeah. Prescott and but even, even still, of, I don't think he can do it. Like I, just I don't, don't, I don't know if that's enough of a comeback. Like he was an all starter last year. He was, you know, he was just. Yeah, I'm, I'm out on that, and I don't trust Foles at all. I'm telling it. you, man, this Cam Newton one, the guy who gets caught, the former MVP. He's got to play well. <laughs> He's all yeah, but you know happen. what? He also has this incredible backdrop of filling the shoes of the goat. In New England. Like, that is... Now, look, man, you know sports writers out there. They love to write this kind of stuff. This writes itself, man, if... Again, it's an if. But my goodness, what a story this would be. I'm telling you right now, I'm talking myself into it. The longer we talk, we better stop this segment, too, because I might just have to go... Boom! Just... Take my Listen, money. Listen, it's I mean to win for almost four to one on your money is is a good bet. I mean, there's no doubt if if it ends up happening. I think uh, it's a, coach it's a, of the year. Um, yeah, let's let's first. dive into this uh, very quickly. Uh, Belichick. I mean, this is this is a complete dart throw. Speaking of which, wow, there's not even a favorite. Essentially, no four to one, no ten to one. 
Uh, Belichick is 12 to 1 to win. Uh, Bill Belichick is 12 to 1 to win the NFL Coach of the Year. Mike McCarthy is 12 to 1. Bruce Arians, 14 to 1. Frank Reich, 14 to 1. Cliff Kingsbury and Sean McDermott are both 18 to 1 to win the NFL Coach of the Year. I think that if Dallas has a good year, I certainly would think that uh, Mike McCarthy would be in line for a possibility here. They have so much talent. He's walking into a great spot. Arians, they're throwing him in there, of course, the Tampa Bay factor. Again, there's like a Brady tax now on bets, so I'm not interested in that. Reich already is viewed as a good coach, but... Oh, well, you cannot know. You cannot sit here after the last two months of berating how bad Phillip Rivers and the Colts are going to be. Because I don't think they're going to be good. That's why I was in my follow-up, is I just don't think the Colts are going to be good. We can't even, you can't give me Frank Reich. I am the one who should be, yeah, you know, I'm on the front of the Frank Reich bus. I'm driving that bus. I don't, all the I don't way. think Arizona is good enough to give it to Kingsbury. <laughs> McDermott's already viewed. You know what? Team. Hold on a second. If I'll tell you what, man, if, if the Cardinals backdoor their way into the playoffs, Kingsbury's going to get some attention for this award. Nine yeah. win team. Uh, the Cardinals in that division with the Seahawks they gotta win and the 10 49ers? to win the award. Nine is not good enough. Oh, what I'm saying is I, I think he is in the conversation. I think that's a that's an upstart little team. And, and you know what? They might fall short this year, but if they don't, I think Kingsbury's going to get a lot of attention for this award. I really do. I, don't, I wouldn't sell him short. I really Why would not. Why is Harbaugh not on here? He should be on here every year. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's the same, I guess, with Belichick. It's like they're just always on there. Belichick's so there? I know he's number one. Which again, that that to me is the, is the most incredible part because what are they saying here? They're saying they're telling you like, if if the New England Patriots win, let, let's just say it's crazy. It's like Cam Newton's brilliant, right? He's MVP caliber Cam Newton again, and he wins I don't know twelve games and they win to the division, right? Is Bill Belichick coach of the year? Like, isn't he already the great coach of all time? Like, I I don't know. Like, it's. It's kind of funny to me that he was the chalk in this in the weird way. There's no chalk, though, here. I mean, that's the thing. There's just, I mean, 12 to 1 is not chalk. Well, I have the chalk, but he was like the best odds. Let's put it the best. Of all the odds. And neither of them are good. I mean, 12 to 1 is no favorite here. I mean, they're basically telling you this is anybody's to win. And look, Kingsbury has just as good a shot per these odds than Belichick. These are not (laughs) far apart from each other. So. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll throw one at McCarthy because Dallas, you know, Dallas go, goes ten and six. This guy's winning the award. That's my opinion. He's, I don't. You know, McCarthy and Reich are the two. And, that and I McCarthy have. probably is not even that great, but no. I, I. But you know what? Like they need to win this division. Like if they win this division in any sort of commanding fashion. I agree with you. I think it's McCarthy's to lose. And and that's another good kind of comeback story. Now that we're talking about comeback stories here on this. Yeah, it would here. be McCarthy for me. And, the other and, one would be McDermott. Buffalo would have to go like 13 and three. See, and I, I see. I, I don't think it's a world where McDermott gets I Kingsbury. Well, to if, well I, I think, well, Buffalo is already a really good team. And look, uh, uh, Baltimore, You're, a playoff team. You're expecting them to win this division right now. Right. Baltimore was 14 and two and, and Harbaugh won the, the award. So if well, but Harbaugh uh, won the award for, I think the Lamar Jackson project, would you not disagree maybe, with that? Maybe so, but maybe Josh Allen is the Lamar Jackson project this year. Uh, he's not Lamar Jackson. I love Josh Allen and all, but he ain't Lamar Jackson. Yeah, but I think what they what they did last year was a fantastic bit of coaching. They restructured. The Ravens have been such a good team for so long, and they built basically rebuilt their entire offense from scratch for this guy with Greg Roman. And I think it was a great bit of coaching, and I think they deserve that award. And you can give that to him almost as like a co-award because I think the offensive coordinator was equally as important as Harbaugh was. But uh, the Harbaugh's willingness to do it tells you what kind of a great football coach he is because there's a lot of great coaches that don't that have that ego that won't allow them to adjust. They want to just do it their way and I think that was great. But I'm telling you right now, Kingsbury's that for me, circle that name because if they make okay. that playoffs, he gets that award, I think. I'll go McCarthy or, or McDermott as the possibilities, but uh in in McDermott's case, the team would have to have the best record in the AFC. Yeah, I don't I mean, see that's that. The only- they would probably have to have it. All right, uh, Gray Albright, our good friend from Razball.com, is coming up next. We'll dive into some of his thoughts on the upcoming baseball season from a fantasy perspective. Gray, of course, uh, has some very interesting thoughts as to how this may be perceived for the 2020 uh, fantasy season, so stay tuned for that as well. By the way, Joe and I will be back on July 4th and the 5th for our weekend edition of the show. If you want to find out about all of our shows that we air here on SportsGrid. Here's what you do. Go to sportsgrid.com. We post all of our video, all of our audio there. 
and you can really get a good look at what we do behind the scenes as well. We'll be right back with more. Gray Albright joins us as we close things out here on this Friday. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today. As we close out the week, we do it the same way we do every week with our good friend Gray Albright from Razball.com. Head on over there. The baseball season is getting ready to start up. Of course, the football season is uh, coming as well. And so all of those things can be previewed and purchased. And there's a lot of free content, too, at our friends at Razball.com. They do a really good job. And guess what? They do something different than a lot of the other people do. They actually win leagues. How about that? What? It's true. It's true. <laughs> hey, maybe not this year where I don't really even know what my strategy is supposed to be. With yeah. Games, yeah, I'm yeah. like, do I? I feel like here's here's what I this is what I'm going on. I I don't know if this is right because I've never played a 60 game uh, MLB season for fantasy before. But what I'm going on is going for categories versus player names, which is easier said than done in shallower leagues. So for instance, I may not look at someone like a, uh, you know, Jorge Polanco, for instance. I think he's pretty good in a 162 game season, but if he's only giving me six homers, two steals, and a 280 average over 200 at bats, Yeah, that was not a good sound effect to end on Jorge. That was that was not great. So so I'll I'll tell you what I am thinking, and it, this is really really difficult for me because uh, here at SportsGrid I have the ability to talk about honestly whatever I want. They give me carte blanche to do that, but primarily it's a lot of baseball and certainly fantasy as well. But Gray, I have to tell you that after the news yesterday, I am I am really. I'm struggling with the idea of of getting back on the horse and doing it again, and I'll explain to you why. I, I think that there will be some room for fun, and I and I would encourage that for those people who love fantasy baseball to play for fun. But I think the final blow for me, so to speak, Gray, is this new deal with the injured list, uh, the COVID injured list, because uh, we're at the point now where yesterday the Phillies put their closer and arguably one of their top five players on the injured list for undisclosed reasons. And we know what those are. I mean, Gray, what? I mean, this this is only the first team to report anything. I just, I don't know how we're going to even be able to construct a team or a draft. I mean, the luck factor to me was already going to be, on a winning a league, was already going to be 60, 70%, no matter what. I mean, I think it's like 95% this year, Gray. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, the only draft I could do would be the night before the season and for free. I mean, I don't, I don't know what other league I could do. Yeah, no, I agree. I, uh, you know, I heard some people comparing the fantasy baseball season this year to fantasy football, but I don't even know if that's accurate because, like, for instance, Garrett Cole doesn't play every fifth game in a fantasy football season. Right. So it's like you're you're sort of apples to oranges when you compare those two. I agree. It's going to be a weird season. And, you know, with the whole COVID IL stint, like Mitch Hanniger's had more injuries that make you want to cross your legs than anyone ever in the history of the world. And yet we're reporting all his injuries and – we don't report, you know, coronavirus. I mean, really? I don't get it exactly. Like and they the- are. And they like- essentially are. Because, I, I mean, the ridiculousness that's of it, this. That's it, man. That's it, totally. Like, I was going to say, like, if you take, like, I had a suggestion where you don't report any injuries this year and you just say someone's going to the IL. You don't know if it's a hamstring, a quad, or COVID. That okay. If everyone's if everyone's doing that, then at least you don't know who's has COVID and you're just not reporting it. But when you say, okay, this guy has an elbow issue and this guy is just going to the IL, it's like, well, we know why. 
Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I understand that there's like medical things involved in this, but baseball had to think this through. The other part of this is that even I think they're going to realize that this is silly and something's going to change, but how can they walk it back now? Like they basically stated yesterday, and look, we don't know this for sure, and we are speculating, and I don't want to get in any trouble, but they put Scott Kingery and Hector Norris on the IL for for undisclosed reasons. I mean, right. we know what those are. Now, if baseball was to say, you know what, we're going to change, we're going to do something different, well, you just hurt the Phillies. Like, I mean, you didn't, I mean, I, I don't, I, and that's why for me, and, and, and fantasy baseball is my first love with this, and, and, I, and I couldn't wait to get back started again. But I'm saying to myself now, when is it safe to draft? Like, when? Like, I, I mean, we're going to, and, and, and I guess the, the contrarian to that is, well, there's injuries all the time. Yeah, but you know what they are. Like, I mean, like this right. is just so crazy. I, I can't believe that this is the road the road they're going. Yeah, no. Even if there was a, you know, even if they, it was on the up and up with the COVID and the IL and all that, even if that was the case, you still have a situation where if you're drafting a team right now and you lose a guy for 15 days to a hamstring injury, that's a quarter of your season. So really, why would you even bother with an IL this year? Just drop the guy. I mean, drop everyone who gets injured because there's literally no reason why you would hold anyone that's going to miss a quarter of the season. I mean, it's it's only 60 games. It's eight weeks. Just, you know, outside of weekly leagues, which are a difficult proposition uh, in, in a 60-game season, but in a daily league, I would just uh, treat it like DFS. Just churn. See what happens. Have fun. At least you're watching baseball and That's playing fantasy baseball yeah, versus yeah. like, you know, sitting there and getting stressed out about everything else that's going on in the world. You know, have, you know, it's a, a distraction for a lot of people. So I'm fine with that. If it's a daily league, just churn your roster and go with whoever's hot and just keep moving through players off of waivers. But in a weekly league, it's total luck. I mean, whether or not you have someone who's made, uh, you know, who's like made, 12 starts versus six starts, that's he's, that one guy is making twice as many starts. 12 to six doesn't sound like a big difference in a 162 game season. But if you have a player, a pitcher who's only making six starts this year, they're useless. Get them off your team. They I mean, are. I mean, a, a fourth starter or a fifth starter <laughs> on, a, on a team that's sub 500, like what's to even consider in, in 2020? Mm -hmm. It's true. So, so. Along those lines, here here is the key question at this point, because it's good. I mean, I don't know why fantasy, the community, hasn't started asking the question now, but, you know, I'll ask you right now, because this is the biggest question of the season. Are you drafting anyone that tests positive with COVID? Anyone? No, no, not. Even now, right? You can't. Yeah, no, not from this point forward, because, like, unfortunately, there's no real timetable. Some guys are like, okay, you know, 15 days and they're back. And if someone had... COVID right now uh, on, you know, the 2nd of July, they should be fine for the start of the season, but other people have it for 30 days, then they feel weak and they need two weeks to get back up to steam. And it's like and two I, negative tests after that. Right. Yeah, exactly. You, it, it, at this point, I, mean, I, I think, I think COVID knocks everybody out of, of the player pool. And, 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 the, right. and, I, and, and again, it's, it stinks that I keep having to mention Kingery and Norris, but those are like the two key guys that were mentioned yesterday, a closer and Kingery was in a 162, maybe a 2020 guy. I, yeah. I feel like our fantasy community, someone's going to justify saying, well, it's good that he got it now. And then, you know, and, and, and I'll take my risk. Like, it's like, that's like the stupidest statement you could ever make. Like, I, I just, yeah. I don't, I don't think there is, a, a top 20 round pick for any of those guys for me. And, and it's it just, no. and, and that's what makes it such a guessing game at this point. You know, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, completely. I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, like I said, if someone hits the IL, I'm out on that player completely. I mean, unless it's like a crazy deep NL only league, then it's, you, well, put, you have no choice, right? Then, yeah. Then, yeah you, you have no choice. You put Kingery or Neris on your IL and you're like, okay, whatever happens, happens. But if I'm in most mixed leagues, I'm dropping anyone who goes on the IL, COVID or not. I'm like, you've got to move on. Like, it's this is the shortest season ever. Like, there's no point in waiting unless a guy, unless it's like, you know, a top 25 overall player. Otherwise, like, I'm out. 
Right. We we can start having fun with like ADP, and and next week I think we can dive a little bit deeper because uh, I I think when you come back next week we're gonna know all the all the COVID cases, the initial ones. In fact, mm-hmm. you're gonna hear a flurry of them over the next 48 hours because they've all the players have now been tested. So I know it stinks that the Phillies are being thrown under the bus for this, but there's gonna there's gonna be a lot of other teams as well. Um, where are you on Trout? Where are you on Trout in a in a mixed league? Uh, as of right this second when we're taping this, he is the third guy off the board in a mixed league. Okay. I I don't know, like, you know, if someone listens to this on Saturday and they're like, what's Gray talking about? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll redo it. We'll redo it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of caveats with everything I'm saying, but I, as of right this second... Trout is the third guy off the board for me in a uh, a mix. Who do you have one and two to start for now? Uh, Cunha and, and Yelich for right now. Yeah, I think you have to do. Yeah, what 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 are you what are you putting the number of Trout's missed games at with all of this? The guessing game of this. I would say probably two weeks. Unfortunately, I mean it, it has to be like he's gonna leave for the birth of his child. Correct. I mean yeah. that's. That's He's already established that in 72 hours is the right. minimum. So, you know, so yeah, right. Days. So, unfortunately, I mean, he's the kind of guy who can get the stats even in a pro-rated season. Right. You know, like like I said earlier, the top 25 guys, I'll have a little more leeway with dropping them immediately. But, yeah, Trout is going to be a situation where he's going to miss two weeks, unfortunately. I mean, well, fortunately for him, but yeah, <laughs> for course, fantasy, course, yeah. it's unfortunate. Yeah. Anything good on TV? Anything you want to tell people before we go? I always I always like to hit you up with. I'm uh, currently I'm watching a show called Dark on Netflix. And yeah, I, I was thinking of trying that. What are yeah, you, you should watch it because I'd love to hear your opinion on it because I don't know heads or tails what's going on. It's like one of those shows. Like it's basically like uh, hour uh, eight episode hour long episodes. So that's eight hours of the movie Inception, where you're like, wait, what's going on? I'm totally, am I following this or am I not? Dream within a dream that cannot be done. (laughs) It's a dream within a dream within a TV show? What's going on? Am I awake or asleep? Yeah, you have to have the top. I have have one here. (laughs) So, yeah, no, I... uh... So you should watch it. (laughs) So so you can tell me what's going on. Hold them right there for it there. There you go. Look at you. We're, so we're in the we're in the dream right now. Then that we is are. it doesn't exist. <laughs> Gary Sheffield's playing this year. What? <laughs> Chef. A wild idea. Anyway, anyway you can uh, catch Bray uh, right on Twitter. Who am I? The, who am I? The batting stance guy right now? What? <laughs> Gray Albright on Twitter, at Razball. Uh, all his good friends, Donkey T, Rudy Gamble, um, doing a great job over there. Fantasy football season is coming, too. And just like our coverage here, they cover it for you at Razball also. They have the Raz Bowl as well. Gray, have a great weekend. Thanks, as always. Really appreciate you coming on the show every week. I know it's just it's it's just common for most people, but you do go out of your way to do it. So thank you, okay? Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Thank all you. Right. Ray Albright from Razball. Thanks again to Matt Sells also for coming on the show. Thank you to Brett, Danny, and Ryan for producing. And for my co-host, Joe Pizapia, I'm Craig Mish. That'll do it for our Friday show. Have a great weekend. Have a great July 4th. Talk to you Monday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.